You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that! Suck it off! Shut the good videos off! What a yoga! <laughs> Welcome everyone to another episode of the Waste High Rugby podcast. The podcast about Norwegian rugby that no one asked for but you're going to get it anyway. I'm here, as usual, with Adam, back on the pod after a week off and a couple of pretty heavy weekends. Adam, how are you doing, mate? Well, uh, according to some people, I was still on the pod because it was such a great impression on the one pod that I wasn't on there <laughs> by a certain someone who made me sound extremely, extremely northern. Um so yeah, I'm going to try my hardest to do some some real proper English today. But been missing it to be honest with you. There's been a hole in my life. Didn't think it would happen, but glad to be back on the pod, mate. Yeah, it's lovely to see your face. I'm see you look a bit nervous though because you didn't know how this was going to go down about your impression with me. That's ah, right, mate. I'm I'm in a different city, so it's fine. You can't uh, you can't get me yet, and I'm not going to be playing against you anytime soon. So I think that's okay. Right, um, yeah, but we're here with Adam, but we have this week. A really really special guest we have the national team coach of norway and people obviously can't see you because we're on the pod but someone who's had a head start let's say into november he's already rocking the handlebar mustache it's uh it's liam how are you doing liam yeah not bad i promise adam I'm, i am genuinely northern it's not my attempt at an impression of you so <laughs> We'll clear that one up straight away. But um yeah, great. Happy for a chat and um excited to get going. Yeah, mate. Looking forward to, looking forward to chatting all things all things rugby league. And obviously we've got huge, huge game coming up this weekend against Greece. We will get onto that in a bit. But firstly, we just want to talk to Liam basically about, you know, his rugby story. People might not know exactly who he is, where you know, how he's how he's come to be head coach of the rugby league the rugby league national team in Norway and, and how that's going. But I think firstly, we obviously had the two rugby celebrities on a couple of pods, a couple of weeks ago, Sonny and Jamal just before, I think just after actually they played the Netherlands. Um, they gave us their summer summary of the game, how they thought it went from being on the pitch. Could you just give us a quick summary of, of how you thought it went from the sideline? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the Netherlands brought a great squad, sort of on on paper and looking at their results since there. Like they're they're probably the top team outside of the top tier nations. If I'm being honest with you, like the team they had on paper, the team's players they managed to get in from overseas and the players domestically that were involved, they had a, a great great squad. But for large parts of the game, like we matched them, if not were on top. So it was really impressive to do that against such a, a team who've had so much training together. But um, our forwards really stepped up in comparison to the, our initial game in Poland well over a year before. And like the defensive work down the middle was was fantastic. We, we need a bit of work on biting on the edges, which cost us like probably the majority of our tries. But what really cost us was if you combine the last 10 minutes of both halves, we lost 32-0. We won the rest of the game. So like, yeah. I'm not... I know as a coach, you can't really take, oh, well, if we take this out, take this out, the game as a whole, the scoreline reflected. So I'm not disputing that. But what it shows us is like we can say the most simple area we need to work on, fitness, which is sort of what we um, we can't really do that at national camps. That's down to the boys. The boys know that coming out of that fixture. And just a continuity, it'll come with time in terms of the combinations, people playing together. That continuity is just going to help us complete sets, complete sets, have to defend less. So, like, yeah, so we sort of realise what we need to improve on there. There's always little touches you can improve on. I've made some tweaks accordingly. won't give too much away about what will change for Greece, but we've made a few tweaks to how we're going to play or what we can do better. And, um, yeah, if, if we can stick in there for those last 10 minutes of those halves, we would have arguably got the best result against Netherlands that five other teams have lost by more points or the same amount of points in a row this um, when they've had their five games in a row. So mm. it didn't feel like a positive result, but it was definitely a positive performance and a step in the right direction. Because we have to remember, we, we are fielding 17 Norwegian-based players in every single game we've played. And it's sort of 
the policy we're starting out with. So from the starting point we had against Poland to the Netherlands game, a massive improvement in the performance. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I watched, I managed to watch the game and I didn't realise Netherlands were had such a strong squad, to be honest. From watching you guys go up against them, I thought I didn't I didn't catch the first very first bit, but I caught probably mid second half till the end. And yeah, I thought especially the first quarter of the no the third quarter, so the first half of the second half, mm-hmm. you guys dominated them. It was it was really good to watch. They lost their heads completely. They gave away so many penalties. You, you scored some really nice tries, and yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty even game, to be honest, until, yeah, right at the end where they kind of ran away with it, yeah. which was a bit of a shame. It just shows that the ability is there and, like, what really is the tricky thing, especially in sport, as I'm sure you guys will know, producing it consistently. That can only come mm. with time, time together. We can all put one or two great plays together, five, ten-minute stretches. As we stress into the boys, the more we train, the more we get together. Hopefully that's going to come together more consistently. Yeah, have you, have, Liam? Have you managed to get together since the the Netherlands game and today? We did. If I'm totally honest, and I've expressed this clearly to the boys, the numbers that came, which and I understand the difficulties coming with the travel, the numbers that came out of that for the session after wasn't what I'd hoped for to make the progress we wanted to make. Mm. So, like, we managed to get a good. We're going to get a team running on the Friday before, so that's going to be really, really crucial now. Because mm. um, I'm sure we'll touch on this later when we talk about any issues with Norway, like the logistics of organising sessions in this country. Right? We've got guys who have to fly to training sessions. Mm. We've got guys coming from, as I describe it, the North Pole. Like we got <laughs> when you've got guys coming from so far and wide, and you compare this just because we were talking about the Netherlands, everything's an hour away on train there. Mm. So just sort of like the ability to train, that's one of the main things that can be an issue in the role. Yeah. No, I mean. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure we'll come, we'll come on to that as well. And Adam, Adam has experience with those kind of things, you know, flying all over the country for camps and and doing all that kind of stuff. The logistics in Norway is is tough, even at the even at the lowest level, which is which is where I played, not at the U boys' elite level. But um, yeah, so we wanted to just talk before we preview the Greece game, which obviously is coming up this weekend in Sunness. We wanted just to talk to you, Liam, about obviously you're a northern lad, you but we wanted to just ask you about how you ended up in Norway, what you're doing in Norway, where did your rugby journey start? Has it always been league? Has it been union? Has it been someone else? I know you were a bit upset that you didn't get invited to join the waist high bar bars to go up against Adam Stavanger this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> wanted to be uh wanted to be lining up at twelve against Adam, but you know. Obviously, Adam was pretty happy about that, but that didn't happen, I reckon. Uh, well, I, was yeah, so eight. Where... I was playing eight anyway, so... <laughs> oh, were you? Right, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, so Liam, where, like, what did you do in Norway? How did you get here? And and, and where did your rugby journey start? Uh, so I'll start, well, I'll probably start with the rugby journey because that takes me on to actually how I end up in Norway in sort of a roundabout way. So sort of typical Northern boy group on the M62 strip where rugby league probably is... The king of the rugby is the only part of England where it is. So from a town called Halifax, who were formerly um, a Super League team. So yeah. I started at six-year-olds um, with my dad kicking rugby balls at me in the car park, essentially, because I was a very uncoordinated child. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all in a bid to try and make me be able to catch or kick something. But like from there, we started at six years old, and like it just clicked start, start straight away. Probably my earliest memory is as a six-year-old scoring a try in my first game, like coming on, don't ask me why that is, but like I can still to this day remember where the pitch, where it was, what the try was like. So <laughs> so it was clearly something that clicked with me in and enjoying the sport at a young age. And I played sort of all the way through, got picked up for a scholarship with um, a few of my mates from our club, playing down at Halifax for a few years. Uh, been involved with Halifax a couple of times. Every time is it's a running joke now. They seem to go bankrupt whether I've been there as a player a couple of times. <laughs> Coach, they, they lose all their money and can't afford to keep anyone. So yeah, ironic that they were a bank as well or something, weren't they? They uh yeah, well it, yeah, there was uh, Halifax is known for being a bank, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but they went bankrupt. That's I mean, yeah, that is ironic, isn't it? Yeah. 
And then sort of from there, I was a bit of a late developer physically. You typically get, so when you play in service area, as they do in England, we're playing across people who look like Adam does now at 13, 14 years old. And I was a little <laughs> skinny little kid with um, no hair anyway, let's put it that way. <laughs> Definitely couldn't grow this pathetic attempt at a mustache at that point. <laughs> and so I was a bit of a late developer. And I think in a way, I don't know how much you guys know about this. It's what I sort of did my degree in and everything. Like a late developer actually has some real advantages if they can get access to the top levels of coaching. So as a late developer, you're sort of figuring out how not to rely on your physique, how to understand the game. So I sort of feel like I've always seen the game slightly differently. And because at that age, I was obsessed with the gym, trying to gain some weight and all these things. Like I think that benefited me when all of a sudden puberty kicked in and I um, grew a few chest hairs and everything. So that's when it sort of, really clicked in for me because I'd started playing open age at like younger than you should. Let's just say I was playing on somebody else's card to play open <laughs> junior rugby because I just enjoyed it more. You got the ball more because when you're playing a really good junior team in the backs, you don't always get to touch the ball. Yeah. So I was I, I wanted to play more rugby and get more involved and sort of uh, my club at the time, King Cross, um, I had that option and they were happy to have me. And yeah, so that was... Like for a few years there after we left Halifax, stuck with that. Then we went off to university where I got access to um, sort of a semi-pro clubs who pick up university students. So that's the sort of, like when I was 18, that's where I was at because um, we had options to go to like a couple of other clubs, but logistically it just wouldn't work because of the distances to travel and everything, like all the way up to Hull or things like that. Mm. And then um, from that, we've... Um, I got, uh, that's your typical old man story of knee injuries. <laughs> so at the point now, I had a bit of a bad knee injury. Um, yeah, so seven surgeries later, I've had to retire several times, come back in different capacities. I've sort of jumped out of different levels of rugby since then. My last experience of rugby league playing was, we went back playing with a few friends like five, six years ago now just before I um, was due to go out and play rugby union in Dubai and um, actually weirdly got a contract offer. I don't know if you guys know much about rugby league from Toronto when they started. Yeah, the Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a documentary and that, me just going back to play with my friends, they actually played an amateur game against like all their trialists and that resulted in them sort of having a chat with them. But I sort of had so the you... option going out to Dubai where I had, could be like um, coaching at a rugby academy playing some rugby out there and had a job in education out there. So I think I probably made the right choice because I was, I think they just wanted someone to be signed from this documentary because all the players they had were naff. So <laughs> um, I, I think I made the right decision on that one. And then Dubai went out there, played rugby union for the Dubai Hurricanes. Found myself probably a bit of a better sevens player at the time when out there because I was in quite good shape and the Dubai lifestyle caught up with me and I started, um, Increasing in size, so the COVID season I was due to move into the pack, and then um, just never really played rugby again after that. Like it kind of there was no season there, and that's when we moved to Norway because um, during that time there, the Dubai Sevens. Not sure if either of you have been. Actually, I've been, me. but yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about the Dubai Sevens. I recommend if you ever get the chance to get a team over there, like. It's a very good time. Yeah, <laughs> my, my wife's sure. going. My wife's going there at the end of November, actually. Yeah, yeah she'll, she'll have a yes. great time. Like, yeah. so you hear all these sort of stories about Dubai out there and what you can and can't <laughs> do, whatever you want. It's adult Adam, uh, not filling me with worried now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, it's adult Disneyland. It's fantastic out there, and the sevens is a yeah, it's a good time. And so I actually met my wife there. Turns out she was Norwegian. It's so not often you see Norwegians wandering around in fancy dress, slightly drunk, dressed as Tinkerbell, but that's my sort of Norwegian right there. Um, so we sort of got together. I couldn't exactly, she lived in Norway. I couldn't exactly say, let's move back to Halifax. She'd no, been there at that yeah. point. So I couldn't exactly sell it to her. Dubai to Halifax isn't the, uh, yeah, that's not, the, that's not the dream, is it? Yep. So then that's what brought us back. And yeah, now we've got a little one-year-old. We got married in the summer. That's the sort of combining those two rugby and how I came to Norway's sort of story. Oh, congratulations, mate! That was uh, that sounds great. So you've really done you've done loads in in terms of rugby. Rugby's really 
taking you to loads of different places. Yeah, yeah. So you can say a sort of, I've, I've got the full sample. I've got a bit of league, got a bit of union, yeah. you know, um, league over there in Dubai. So yeah, got some really good life experiences out of it. And for someone who got, who's had seven knee surgeries from the age of 18, I've sort of managed to milk it, retired a few times, come back a few times. Um, yeah, sort of managed to get more out of it than I should. So I've just got to be thankful for every game you play. So how is it you came about to uh, coach the Norwegian league side? How did you get involved with that? So I actually reached out to both the NRF and the rugby league, sort of like saying, like, I'm coming to the country. I want to be involved in some capacity, whether that be, I didn't really know the club structure out here, like whether that be a player, coaching, I didn't really know the standards. So I was sort of just reaching out for more information. And the rugby league sort of Anne here, like ultimate enthusiast. She will promote rugby league, does absolutely everything. Can't say enough mm -hmm. about her. Um, sort of was really enthusiastic. And she was like on the phone to me when I was still in Dubai, like finding ways to get me involved. And sort of like straight away told me, okay, these guys want me. I'll um, get involved that way. So I then sort of, I went into schools for a little bit while I was waiting for all my visas to clear up, coaching in schools. Had some really nice experiences there. Managed to get a few kids going to like Lillstrom training. Got the, it's actually two of the schools I went into now have rugby on the curriculum. One's wow. school. So like that was a nice little impact to have before we started out. And then sort of due to my experience, got asked to take the nines tournament yeah. that was um, coming up. So take the nines national team coach job. And then sort of around that time, sort of um, Dave resigned, sort of going to the... And then got the Netherlands job. And then I was sort of, sort of the word must have got around about the what had been going on and the they asked me to step up. So, um, yeah, that was sort of a, a pretty fast track route into the position. But like, if you, when you look at my background, my degree is actually in sports coaching. I had coached previously. I didn't really mention it before while I was out injured. I coached at the academy at Halifax for a sort of a brief while as part of that degree and stuff. So then I coached in the academy out in Dubai. So sort of like, I've sort of coached like throughout my life. So mm. it was sort yeah. of like, I, I, it feels like I was a logical person to take over. It was probably just a matter of perfect timing. Awesome. So when did you, what year did you actually move move to Norway then? So two and a bit years ago now. And okay. so I sort of, we moved to Frederickstad to get a work visa for a job on there. So it's, I've only just today got my family immigration visa. From when oh, I first okay. moved, <laughs> so it's taken two and a half years. So, <laughs> long story there, but it's um, starting to feel slowly welcome after two and a half years in the country. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's probably because you're northern, mate. I'm, I'm just That's a bit, so, I'm just right. a bit south of you, and I got, I got let straight through. They liked, they liked the look of me, so they thought I'd be alright. <laughs> it must be the better facial hair you can grow. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that handlebar moustache that made that turn them off, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. But oh no, awesome. Okay, so you, you really haven't been here long, and then you you got the league job pretty pretty fast then. So it's probably about within a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Around that. So great. So either they really needed someone, or you're brilliant. You can either kind of kind of go either one of those two ways. You, you'd be best <laughs> off asking somebody else. The coach yeah. always comes <laughs> to the end of the day, but. Uh... The perfect storm. It was the perfect yeah. storm. Yeah, a combination yeah, they, of events, let's put it that way, that led to it. Adam's always, Adam knows what to say. He's, he's the politically correct one on, on the pod. There you go, Adam. It was, it was meant to put. be. It was, it was meant to be. They yeah, needed nice someone and there was a man who was perfect for the job. It's just, it was written in the stars. Like nice. a Hallmark mover. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely put, mate. Awesome. I mean, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds great. Is there... As as someone who's who's kind of travelled quite a lot with his rugby, played a few different codes. Is there anyone that you've either played with or played against that people might know? Oh Jesus, I should have thought about this long in advance. So what what you what we what you do do? You probably catch playing with players at the back end of their careers, or mm. like when players drop in and out of the game. So sort of growing up in the junior rugby league, I've sort of played. Along uh, against a lot of players, like who've gone on to play professionals, but not really anyone. Weirdly, not anyone who is like a top top level is um, 
a year above me at Halifax was um, Gareth Widdop, who went on to play for. Oh Ruben. yeah, played in NRL. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was one year, I think, one year or two years above me, sort of in in his time at Halifax. So he was one there, and he's like loads of like Halifax is a hotbed for rugby. Like, believe it or not, mm. like there's so many players who go pro from there. Like, it's it's like honestly like a real big feeder for teams like Wigan, and like they send their scouts out there a lot. But sorry, so there's not really anyone who's probably international fame who you um, would know I mean, off the Gareth, top of the European Union Gareth, boys. Gareth Widdop was uh, he was a big NRL star, wasn't he? And yeah, yeah he was England player, World Cup finalist. He was yeah, he was brilliant, Gareth Widdop. So I didn't actually get to play with him, but he was just like one year above me in the scholarship thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of seeing them, yeah, and sort of like you might know like. We sort of when you grow up around Halifax, you're sort of always in around the club and well. So like when Freddie Tuilagi was there, like oh, play, yeah, like, yeah. Leicester. So like we actually used to play the Tuilagis used to sort of come down to watch their games. Like I, I couldn't tell you who each individual was, no doubt it was all of them, because there was so many of them. We'd end up playing touch rugby against like like their family against others. And Jesus <laughs> Yeah fly swat situation for them but <laughs> we got to play a bit of touch rugby around them growing up but um apart from that's probably it from the celebrities yeah sort of playing yeah. touch against the Gulagis as a <laughs> I mean that sounds yeah that sounds fun but also absolutely terrifying rugby royal even for you even for you hard northern rugby league boys playing against the Tuilagis must have been yeah, must no, have been pretty scary say what you want they're a different breed oh mm. mate yeah ridiculous ridiculous but you said so you playing semi semi pro. I heard on the grapevine, actually, well, from the horse's mouth just before this podcast started, that our very own Adam Jones played semi pro rugby league no. in Birmingham. I wonder if you two ever came across each other. Well, I don't know. It was a while ago. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was. I went to university in Birmingham, and our union team uh, with the Birmingham Bulldogs trained on the same pitch as us. I wouldn't say it was semi-pro, but they paid us 50 quid a game. So to stay down at the weekend, uh, that was pretty cool. And it was £1.50 snake bites and blacks in the walkabout in Birmingham. 50 quid to me. It was it was, it was was three nights out, you know what I mean? It was like, it was, uh, so it was well worth staying down. Huh? Three, three nights like that, right? Oh, mate, yeah, 10, 10 pints is 15 quid. That's three nights, mate. That's all you need. And you get frosty jacks before you go out, so it's all good. But no, no, I, I, I enjoy rugby league. I think it's, um, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a brutal, it's a brutal game. It's, but it's, it's great. I mean, I, I, talking of people who played against, and I, I, I played against Sean Long once as well. Came up against him. He was, oh. um, it was towards the end of his, end of his. Well, he was, he was playing for Oral at the time. I played in the same league as a. As okay, a team yeah, yeah, no, Oral. Oral. Yeah, because I think that's where he's from originally. Well, no, Wakefield. I think he's from. But uh, yeah, played against Sean Long. That was an experience. Uh, I was playing 12, he was playing 12, and it was, um, yeah, <laughs> he schooled me, put it how that did, way. How, even did though that huh? how did that go? Well, he, he wasn't the quickest, but he was fucking powerful, you know what I mean? He was, he, he still had it. It was just, it's just those, um, those, it's, it's like you were saying, like we touched upon, when you get a bit older, you start knowing when the juice is worth the squeeze. And, you know, when you're a bit younger, you try and hit every gap you can and you go as hard as you can. But that guy just knew when there was half a gap. He, he he was through it, you know what I mean. And then if he had to take the contact, he was winning the contact, you know what I mean. But it's uh, yeah, it was tasty. It was tasty, very very tasty. It came back with some bruised bruised shoulders, put it that way. But did, uh, you have, guys, did you have the same lid now as you did? Did you have the same lid back then as you do now? What's a lid? Your hair, sorry, your haircut. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I was very much. You didn't because I was no, saying I... you versus Sean Long in the centres. That must have been. A hair battle for the ages. That <laughs> no, I had a corporate job at the time, so I wasn't allowed. And since I got a different job, that's why I started experimenting with oh, it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. grew a mullet. <laughs> anyway, it's not about me. This one. No. Well, it's no. Me. I mean, that's great. And I guess Dubai Sevens. You must. Is there are there any stories that you can share from your time doing Dubai Sevens, or are they too not safe for work? Depend, depends if the wife listens to this as well, doesn't it? Like, is, um, <laughs> is the sort of the, the the last time we played. So we sort of, I played for the Hurricanes for the first couple of years there. And then my good friend, Max, we had, um, we ended up getting a really, really like, so we ended up creating a team that started entering it. So it was all Max, my good friends from over there. 
And we had a WhatsApp group just called Thursday Night Lights. Started off just a few friends, you know, a few, because you used to play rugby on Fridays quite a lot over there. So we just get mm. together, have some food. Maybe there was no game until Saturday, a few beers or whatever on a Thursday night. So it was called Thursday Night Lights. And this turned into like a, a, a rugby team that somehow was in, like playing in the international open against like proper, proper like Speranza, everyone else. And like we're out on the booze every night. Like, like we're playing it as a started as a social thing. And we've got players coming over from all over the world. We've got Aussie Sevens players coming over. We played like against, I think the Kenyan, like their B team, South Africa B team. We're playing against know. these guys, but we've, we've been out since the Thursday and we're playing them in a semi final on Sunday. <laughs> like we've been we've been on the beer for three days and like we don't know how we were doing it like it was we just kept getting through kept winning games and kept going and it sort of turned into like some very rascal kits kicking around and <laughs> there may be a story where i get too drunk on after a quarter final and don't make it in time for the semi-final and wake up in <laughs> some random apartment miss the semi-final don't condone this to any players as a coach. Don't ever do this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I missed a semi-final against Speranza, which was a super tight game. As sort of a designated gas man as well. The guy was there to run all the tries in. And I um, was a no-show. So it's probably the, the low point of my career right there. Yeah, yeah. Let's, hope she, let's hope she was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really wish that was the case. It was like looking in the sofa, surrounded by two hairy men. Like looked at my foot. And like, I was supposed to be playing in ten minutes. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's um, there's a few more stories that could go around. But um, I work in a school, so we'll keep those ones um, nice and quiet. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think we've got, I think we've got a taste of. Of maybe what happens in in that environment and yeah jonesy mate hope your uh hope your missus is going to tell you is going to keep you updated on what's happening because uh, yeah. kind of open a flight's cancelled now to be honest yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she's a good girl she'll be all right yeah she knows what she knows what side of bread's but we don't make there'll be no one like you over there let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um no, brilliant. I mean, so good to hear your yeah your story and how you came to Norway and how rugby has really taken you to some to some mad places and, and and done some really cool things. We'd be remiss to to not talk about you and your coaching philosophy and and how and how you are as someone who's got like a background in 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 coaching and has been in quite high level in rugby and in different places. How that is in Norway and what your kind of plans are for the Norwegian national team and rugby league and stuff. So I think to firstly, what's been your experience so far in terms of Norwegian rugby league and Norwegian rugby in general, has it been better than you thought it was going to be? Has it been, has it, has it been different? Has it been, what did you expect and, and, and what have you found? I mean, it's not your typical national team job due to the, the logistics. Like you come in, it sounds like a very glorious title, doesn't it? But you've, still find myself washing the kit and some of the more unglorious side of things that you um, <laughs> used to having people do for you. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's been a, a mixture, a complete mixed bag, really, because I, I I have high expectations in sort of everything. So, like, I, I, I don't really like half assing stuff. Mm. So, like, 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 as I probably showed to you guys, I was, like, asking for, like, any any topics you want to discuss or anything like that. Like, I am mm. a bit of an over-preparer. I do like to know what's coming. So, um yeah, so I have high expectations, and but there is sort of a loose plan in place because we've got we can't qualify, we can't get to a World Cup until twenty thirty because right. of the form. So this needs to be a long term plan. But also, I, I'm trying to put a plan in place that exists beyond me. Like if I was to disappear, that everything wouldn't disappear with it. Mm. So that's sort of we we, ha we are going with a long term sort of outlook as it stands now we've um sort of in terms of experience so far like the buy-in from a real stable core of players who've been coming to camps like outstanding like i can't be more delighted than like the progress i've managed to see just in sort of the five six times i managed to get on them is like it's really considerable the frustration comes like when there's a rotation of players some make it some don't 
you know, when you're trying to knit some continuity together, that, that of course is always going to be frustration. And I don't lie to the boys and pretend it's not that is something that will frustrate any coach, mm. let alone we are trying to do it at the national team. But on the other side of the coin, I understand sort of for funding reasons and just logistic reasons and the, the big mountains across the country. Like it's not simple to get from one side of the country. These guys who are playing, are like it's costing considerable amounts of money. Mm. So I'm well aware of that. So I sort of have to find a balancing act. And like a real big thing with, with me is I'll be nothing but honest. Like if, if I feel like someone's not really given me a good reason, like I'll completely tell them I don't feel that's a good reason. So it's sort of trying to find a balance. Like we try to be a good person, but we're trying to realize we're, we've got a standard to reach. When we're not going yeah. to drive the get standards. To yeah, like yeah. Take situation. So in terms of like my philosophy, so to meet this long-term plan, like every team I've field so far has been completely homegrown. We've not got any players in the 17 who doesn't play for a Norwegian club currently. Mm. And like with the, for example, I'm not trying to slag off other countries. They have their way of doing it, but we're looking to sort of get the game right in the country. And then if it gets to the point where near a world cup, I'd still only want to bring in someone who would, you know, really set an example and show the players how we should be playing. Because at the end of the day, like, I think it's happened in the past. If, if we got five blokes from Australia, came and took somebody else's jersey, we didn't qualify, and then like, they're not coming back. Yeah. Rugby League in Norway hasn't got any better. Mm. So, like, I, I will focus on domestic players as much as possible because at the end of the day, the, the game's going to die if we don't invest in the, the players that are here. So, like, that's always going to be my absolute sort of non- like non-negotiable we're gonna use the players we have in the country mm. I know that's probably so you guys might be able to tell me a little bit this i imagine rugby union that's a little bit trickier because you've got such specialized positions props yeah. i imagine you actually like have a like it's hard to get good on good all the time at training and stuff like that to develop like the specialist line out players props yeah no 100 mate and i think we share some of the same uh sort of challenges as well um, in terms of, uh, you know, trying to get as many people we can to camps in preparation for games, that's always, it's always a challenge. Now, one of the things like, so, you know, some of the coaches, sometimes they can be a bit, uh, you know, a bit downhearted that the numbers weren't as good as they expected. But my philosophy is being part of the leadership group is kind of like, well, the guys that are here are invested. So the, whatever we've got here, we might have not have quantity, but we've got quality. So these are going to be the core group. And the last couple of training sessions that we've had, going into our game in two weeks against Latvia has been easily, we are the core group that's going to make this happen. No one else is here. So, we, you know, we have got to be as tight as anything. And in, in a way it's kind of brought us, brought us stronger together, if you, if you like, because we now yeah. feel like we're, we, we've taken complete ownership of this because it's us against everyone. You know what I mean? And it's, but um, yeah, it's, it's the, the one thing I weren't really want, was eager to talk to you about though, Liam is because, we've got this luxury sort of a kind of a, a luxury in this country of uh, you know being under one governing body um and i see from the the team sheet against uh, greece there's quite a few guys there which i played union with who are norwegian based and in in the that you've picked in your team for the league what would what would you say to like if we were to sort of like combine and have joint sessions um you know where we could do a camp where you know we can we can we can run opposition against you you boys to give you some some boys to hit, hit against and, and and vice versa so, so is there any way you know collaboration wise that that you know you'd be open to sort of that yeah it's a complete I've, I've spoke to richie about this as well like it's a com it's completely feasible it'd have to be very well organized because there's mm. just certain parts of the game that tra really perfectly transfer, and there's perfect there's parts that don't exist in the other game. Yeah. So, like, and like, for example, like with the current tackle laws in rugby union as well. If I'm honest with you, I, we're probably not going to be able to do any contact. That's the sort of thing. It looked like a really good idea one year ago. That mm. the tackle height laws are going to make it really, really difficult to make that transition in terms of skill work wise. Sort of going uh, sliding defense, short number drills, sort of like open-ended attacking drills where we're sort of attacking in open field that 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 would be perfect but in terms of like you know like adding a contact element to it now mm. i feel like that is the real big sort of difference now as well sort of in how you carry yourself into contact in the two sports that's the mm. area sort of me and rich would have to get to and you know look at really closely to make it w like really worthwhile for both teams 
But in terms of like the skill portions, we could almost do half a training session where it is combined and really focus on those core skills. You pass, catch, kick, evade. We could mm. really, really focus on those and get real good quality, like the best on best. Yeah. Yeah. And just in terms of just in terms of the sporting country, the country uh, sport in the country, like it's sharing resources, it's sharing facilities, coaches, players. So that does make perfect sense. And on the other hand, I have to give both sides of the coin to this. Like I, I hope you guys can understand why some players sort of in rugby league like feel slightly sort of shafted and like there's, I know this sounds extreme, like attempts to almost kill the games at times from yeah, yeah, yeah. completely aware of that. But like from what I, I get told, lots of stories from before my time. And yeah. I sort of tried, I sort of tried giving that a wide berth and not hearing too much. And then I get a million messages about more stuff again. So I, I have to make sure I keep, it's a balancing act for me. I have to make sure I keep the guys who yeah. are loyal and keep turning up happy. Yeah, and I have to look towards the future as well. So it is a, a real sort of like a tear for me as a coach because it yeah. is what I see as the potential future of the sport. Mm. You you have to look after your players and the way they feel as well. Um, any player who ever asks me, who say, "Oh, should I say a union?" I'm like, "Yeah, play as much rugby as you can." That's another mm. way we can work together. The schedule clashes. You guys have got a, a game Saturday, East Lee West. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a huge day. We've got massive sponsors. We're playing at a stadium. We're streaming it live. Yeah, mm. could and it's not it's not just like a dig, but like we could probably organize our dates if we were working on this calendar together. You guys yeah. could have more union could have more men for fixtures because, like, mm. I get asked, oh, "Is would you hold it against me to play union?" No, go play as much rugby as you can. Like, there's not enough mm. rugby in this country to go around. Mm. Yeah, play as much rugby as you can. Yeah, no, that hundred percent, and hopefully they can get the fixtures sorted next week, uh, next year, because I know from I, I play for Stavanger, and um, we've got guys that play both. Um, they, they've, you know, with Sam Nesbus being down the road for us, uh, they play both, both, both codes, and I don't want to be in a position where they have to make that choice because nobody wants to let teammates down, and they play for Sanders and they play for Stavanger, and they play just as hard for each team. Do you know what I mean? And it's like. I, I, I've spoken with Sanders and we're hoping to get some some sort of joint joint training sessions going as well because we're only down the road and you know potentially they've got like you know uh, access to sort of like 35 36 players so if we we could have a training session once a month or every six weeks or something like that where we could have potentially have 70 players down training together do you know what I mean and we used to Stavanger used to play league as well so we, we, we we're hoping to do that but I think like going forward like I think it's just about being honest because like I said to Sanders I said we're not looking to poach your best players and and, and make them just union players I said what is the the, the example I'm giving is Sanders and Stavank is what I know uh you know Sanders have got some big boys who would suit very well to the props which we're in desperate need of uh, and then Stavango have got some really good playmakers which Sanders are in desperate need of do you know what I mean and both mm -hmm. want to play league but they don't want to because of the clashes they've got to pick one so it's mm -hmm. kind of like you know, we've we, we've almost got to get it, get in a room together and just go right. What's going to be best for the oval sport? And like you were saying, Liam, if you're if you're open to sort of like whatever limitations there are, something's better than nothing. If we can get you know seventy guys down to a camp, uh, whether they're playing league or union, it's going to be a massive buzz. It's going to drive the standards. It, the league never play international league, never play on that. You could pick up a couple of players. We could probably pick up a couple of players. There's no reason why they couldn't be playing both coach. You know what I mean? That's, that's, I'm, I'm obviously, there's, 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 there's obstacles that are there, but I see obstacles is a cliche for you, Joe. Um, I only see obstacles are only what you see when you take your eye off the goal. And if the goal is to develop rugby in Norway, then we can overcome those obstacles. You know what I mean? But it's all about this. And I, I, I know what you're saying about, uh, you know this 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 clash or this historical bad breath between. But I have a lot of contact with a lot of the players around Norway. A lot from doing this pod and also uh, playing rugby uh, as much as I do. And it, none of the players that I ever I've spoke to, none of them have said to me that they don't want to play league or they they they, they prefer leagues rubbish and or unions better or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's just keen to get the fucking ball in their hands. And I think. You know, it's always got to almost got to be like a mob mentality and say, right, this is what we're doing, and we just we just run with it. I, th I think that's where the problem in lies. The problem doesn't lie within the guys playing the game. 
Like, mm, I, yeah. I, I don't know names. Like, I genuinely actively stay out of the politics as much as possible because what I want to do is get my hands on boys, coach them, let's improve, let's get better, let's play the sport. But like, I, I think the problem's above the people playing the game. Mm. So when, when that's, and I don't know how these people come to power. I don't know who these people are. So this is genuinely not a personal attack on anyone. I literally, I will go out of my way to avoid yeah. um, this sort of thing. But like, if, if you're, if your aim isn't to grow the game, what is your aim? Mm. I don't know any sport or any, you can go into the political arena for this. Like if you're ostracizing yourself and trying to just, completely separate yourself i don't know any sort of like part of the world or any industry that would work yeah mm. well, i think that's everything off outside and that seems to be coming from above not the people actually in the trenches doing it i think that's also what should be the beauty about a country that isn't a traditional rugby country is that there shouldn't be an animosity between rugby league and rugby union because i know particularly let's say you know rugby league is in the north of England and in Australia, it's a more the animosity between rugby league and rugby union is a class thing, isn't it? You know, it's the mm. the working class are sort of traditionally a rugby league play rugby league, and the sort of more middle class private school people play rugby union, and that's where that animosity has come from of the over the last hundred years or whatever. But in a country like Norway. That shouldn't that, that that that's one of the things that shouldn't have been transferred over. You know, it should be just a slightly different game, but that you can play both of. So I I agree that it's that we should be in harmony, and I think it's possible because yeah, as you said, I haven't met a player who's gone, I hate rugby league or I hate rugby union or I don't like them, like they're different to me. It's just yeah. what club it's just what town you live in and what club is in is yeah. is what is what sport you play. Because uh, I, I I I look I look for the, like when I went down and did the reporting for the pod on the grand final with the Liddestrom versus um, Hogerson, and I was just amazed about how much passion and so, how much people are doing behind the scenes, and people are doing it in union as well. Uh, but like what I love about what what rugby league Norway is doing is like their, their social media presence is really good. They celebrate everything. They celebrate everything. I saw a video from Farson the other day when the, the youth national team players were getting their caps and they had big balloons out and they had mascots and they were all, they all got like they're celebrating their first cap for under 16s, under 19s. I thought that was just mega. Do you know what I mean? It's just like there's a lot of a lot of things, a lot of good practice we can both share. Because I said to Kimmy from Sandnes, because he was the big he's a big player there at, at Sandnes. You know they've recruited so many players from from nothing like we, our club's been around for like 30 or 34 years um and they've come from pretty much nothing within the last sort of five six years and i was just i was i generally asking him what's what's been the key to success how have you recruited because we've we've got a problem with how you know recruiting guys our team's getting older we haven't got the youth coming through until another three or four years um and just sharing those best practices as well you know he's telling me ideas of getting posters out in gyms uh putting doing newspapers, moving his trainings around. Uh, it's it's brilliant. If we can share these best practices, it doesn't have to necessarily be about sharing um, sharing players. If players want to play league, players want to play union, that's their prerogative, you know what I mean? But if we can share best practices, train a couple of times together, I think, you know, the, the future could be really good. What, one thing I have to touch on that, you uh, bring it up because you brought it on, the, the sort of youth movement we've got going on, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. boarding well. We've sort of developing that pathway. It's, some, it's something I'd identified, like one of the first questions I asked when I sort of spoke to him, have we got a youth set up? And then like the guys in Farson doing fantastic job. They basically have mm. enough to like, they'll have a full open age team in the very near future. They're going to have a team back again because those guys are all coming through. They're all sticking mm. out it. They're all loving it. We've got sort of Tim and Steve running the under-19s team. We're hopefully going to have fixtures next year, which is, which is massive. And it's only going to encourage more youth players to play the sport like you say about what the event they had in Farson that was televised on television and this is all sort of done there's uh Miriam who does a lot in Farson Kim who does a lot in Sanders I'm not missing people out on purpose if I haven't mentioned your name there like there's so many people doing fantastic work like really particular in sort of the east and the south coast uh, west yeah west and the southwest coast sorry like it's it really is like a bright future for the sport and that's yeah. sort of that I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about sort of having that feeder that comes through. We're not going to be relying on sort of expats or foreign players coming in because as I sort of touched on 
previously a real frustration is like one thing that drives me mad about international rugby is like the eligibility. Mm. Like two teams we've sort of just played, we're going to play against you know, Netherlands and Greece. They're, they're, their social medias are posting pictures of guys on holiday coming to the country for the first time. Mm. And like, I mean, this isn't a dig at those countries. They're doing great. Like they've played at a World Cup. They've just won five in a row. So this is in no way a dig. But my, my mindset is to try and grow a rugby league here. Mm-hmm. I don't see how like and like the eligibility rules in international rugby are just like baffling. Sorry, I know yeah. this is moving. I know I move a million miles a minute. Like, there's one bloke in rugby league to to Fraser, I think it's called. Played for Wales, went to Australia, and he's now played for Tonga. I think that's yeah. in a five six year period. Wow. And we've got guys who have lived here for ten years who we can't register because they left for four months. And then you've got players who've never been to the country coming and playing. And I just find it like it's all a bit of a... So that's oh. like, with us developing those under-19s from Norway, that's us mm. not showing the game. But it's like, there's no eligibility concerns. We're going to be keeping the game in the country and developing the game here. Because that's just going to make the league better here. Making the league better is going to make the national team better. And it's just going to keep growing. The national team's better off. We can get more exposure, more funding, which we can put back into the youth game. And hopefully it's sort of the start of a rolling ball. I think that, that, that with, with Norway, I think the best eligibility is availability. It's yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? from, from our point of view, with the amount of travelling and pain you have to do. So, yeah. But sorry, Jack, yeah. off to you, mate. Yeah, mate, I was just saying, I, I mean, I love that. That's um, I understand, yeah, where you're coming from. And that's I think that's a great way of going about it. And it sounds like you're much more than a national team head coach in terms of the development of the game and and a, a plan for the future. And I think that's I think that's brilliant. One thing I would say is I know you want to keep the eligibility in Norway, but I would tell you, I'll give you a tip here. And uh you don't you can take this for free and you don't need to give me credit when it when it comes to fruition. But uh one of the best players in the NRL, at least one of the biggest characters in the NRL, Brandon Smith, the cheese, is half Norwegian. So uh his mum's Norwegian. So when he retires from from international, from playing for the Kiwis, I reckon we we get him over to Norway, get him a nice cushy job in Norway, and then he can uh, he can play for the national team. There's some people you might make an exception for, except uh, exception for. Yeah, just, just, just to meet the bloke, go for a beer with him, that'd be worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, or just get him to do a uh, one of those video but, chats. But yeah, but like, examples of that to that extreme, I, I completely understand. Like you bring in over like someone who would have at that point 30, 40, 50 caps, which is this less rugby league international game. So that's like having a hundred caps in in rugby union terms. Like bringing someone like that over who's played at an elite level, like I completely understand that. That's not a that'd be like a dream. You could have someone to set the standards, everything like that. That's that'd be outrageous. And it's been yeah. brought to my attention a, a few times. Let's is say it right, okay. Yeah, so it's not just, I'm not the first one to tell you that. All right, that's fair. That's fair. But it's, it's actually fair. weird. That there's a whole, um, there's a whole Instagram page sort of dedicated to um, rugby league players who play professionally or are eligible for other countries. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. The guy who actually, I, I don't know the bloke, but he, he sort of digs into sort of the eligibility sort of the players all around the world and sort of releases like. Um, like clips and stuff on um, social media. Oh, nice. Right. Well, I mean, talking about, yeah, eligibility and, and players playing in the NRL, um, we've, we've, we've chatted for ages and it's been, and it's been brilliant, but I think we need to get onto the, to the game this weekend, the big game this weekend against a team that was in the world cup and probably has a few, a few of those expat boys or not expats, but the guys who Australian guys who, may or may not have been played in the NRL. Norway versus Greece this weekend in San Ness. It's going to be televised. Or it's televised, but it's going to be streamed. You can watch it. Um, if you're in the area, get down there to... What's the stadium called? It's the Who's Serena, isn't it? Uh, That's yeah, the Serena, yeah. Serena in San Ness. This Saturday, get down there. It's 50 kroners for adults and it's free for kids. Yeah. 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 Um, it's going to be a great game. They Greece, as you said, were in the World Cup. What are you What are you expecting this weekend? What are you expecting from them? What are you expecting from us? How do you think it's going to go? 
Just touching on one thing before I analyse the game, there's also the Raiders Cups, the Sadness have a youth event going on, the sort of biggest one in Norway. So any kids who are interested in sort of thinking about participating in rugby, get yourself down before the international game because you'll get a chance to watch sort of the kids game and then the national team game will be on after. So we want as many people to come down and support these kids just as the supporters for the national team. Awesome. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll appreciate it even more. So anyone who gets a chance to get there an hour early, hour and a half, Know the weather's going to be cold, but we live in Norway. There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. As yeah. <laughs> Anyone who can get down to support the kids, they'll greatly appreciate it. There's nothing a kid loves more than someone there to watch them. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. In terms of this weekend, we're, we're going up against a bit of a wounded animal. They've just lost um, against Ukraine this past week, which is a great fairy tale story sort of for the Ukraine. They had back-to-back games and um, scored it over aggregate. So just spent several hours watching these games. So it's like they're, they're a big, big, strong unit. They're going to come mm. hard and come big. If our middles can match the physicality they showed against the Netherlands, I'm really confident we'll sort of meet them up front. And the game sort of in the conditions we're looking at, it's going to be who makes less mistakes, who can get that completion rate, who can apply the pressure and sort of be ruthless. Yeah, because um, it's not going to be won in one or two moments. This game, it's going to be won over who can apply pressure for the longest, who can complete the most sets, who can get to their kicks, get the best kicks. It's going to be a game of real fine margins, and and I say that for me to say that shows my confidence mm. because Greece playing at the World Cup and us coming off the thirty point loss. That's, that says how much growth I showed in that performance because they were the fairy tale of the World Cup. I remember watching their game, sort of going, This is great that they were not a sport a few months ago and they managed to put the performances in the World Cup. So we, we know how high that bar was, was setting in, saying that we're confident of a good performance. So, you, Liam, you said about um, there's going to be a big battle in the middles. In terms of, give me some names of who you're looking for who's going to step up in your middles from your team sheet. Which names are you looking at from big performances for? So, what I was really pleased with in the Netherlands game is we had like players play 80 minutes across the pack. So, sort of Nils, who I'll give a shout out to here, is stepping up into our leadership group this week. So, he's been promoted into the captain group effectively. So, he's sort nice. of the third man there now. So sort of yeah. that comes from his attitude and his willing to play 80 minutes. But we had every everyone in that pack putting in an outstanding performance. Like I can name every player from that game. So sort of Dan Horn took his game to a level I've not seen him play. Mm. Like he sort of grew and as the game, as we got back into that game, it was a massive influence. We had Marius, he played again the full 80 minutes in the pack. Um, we sort of had Sonny, our sort of veteran influence coming off the bench. Sort of getting to play with Jamal, the emotion around that. Every single forward, and I'm not, I know I'm missing names out, but every single forward, like I could not be more pleased with. They really stuck it to a big, big, strong pack. Mm. Right? And that's, we we need that, not just, we just need that to compete. That's how they've set their level now. We can't drop below that level. Yeah. To be in this game, I, I need the same from that sort of forwards pack. Nice. And then, sort of in, in terms of the backs, we've, we've, we've had a few changes in the back. So we've got a change at full back. We've got to change at halfback as well and sort of out in the centres. But in terms of what's going to be a big key battle in the game, Greece have a really creative with their kicking game. We're sort of one of the few teams in rugby league that you watch. They really, they don't just kick for field position. They really like, they'll be 40 metres away from their goal and they'll be trying to put a 10, 15 metre kick in to recover the ball. So they use their sort of really skilled halfbacks to, to have this really creative kicking game. So our back three, we're going to have to be really, really on it in, our, in terms of our kick return. Mm. So that's going to be a real sort of crucial battle. So sort of a nice little story we've had is uh, Martin. He's sort of transitioned, Martin Hoyland. He's transitioned from like mm. centre to wing. He's sort of fairly new to the sport when we first started coaching him. And sort of the, the growth I've seen him in is fantastic. And now I've put him in the back three because of his ability to take the ball in the air. He can go up and catch it sort of above his head. And that's through no part of training of mine. That's sort of his desire to work. So he's someone I'm excited to see sort of have the impact in the game. He's scored three tries in his first two international games. <coughs> but he's someone I 
I hope can continue his development sort of in terms of identifying individual players. And I know you guys had Jamal on. You sort of said you played against him. We all know what Jamal can do. It's sort of just him now growing into that sort of role as a halfback of almost being me on the field. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 say, I say this to everyone. If you're a fullback <laughs> or a halfback playing for me, I, I'm, I'm going to be on you. Because yeah. I... I yeah, key roles. I want you to be me on the pitch. Everything I think I want you to do. So even if, if you do something right and it's not what I would have done, I'm almost going to be on you. So <laughs> as coaches <laughs> on me. So they're sort of um, Jamal in the half. So I'm excited to see how he grows on that debut as well. There's yeah. players, of course, I haven't named. I, I'm not going to go through the full 18 players who got named in the squad. But there's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how we can continue to mesh together. Because like and I say, we like, we had a 50-minute performance, and that results in a 30-point loss. So we know we need to put in that 80-minute performance. Yeah. Mm. And what are you... I mean, apart from saying, yeah, the, the, the Greece team have big a big pack and a, and a decent kicking game, are there any... Is there anyone from that Greece team that you... that we should watch out for? Is there anyone that's got kind of high-level rugby experience in either in Greece or in Australia? Because I know there's quite a lot of... <laughs> Australian guys who've got Greek heritage that, that might play for them. What are you I mean, expecting I, from them? I might butcher some names here, so I'll apologise in there. So we've got, we've got quite a well-known halfback, uh, Meads. He's sort of like known within like this level of the international game. He's sort of been around a while and he's a real good leader for them, really creative. Yeah. So he's going to be someone we need to make sure we get on and don't give him any space. I know their fullback. I'm not going to butcher his name, but... Yeah. <laughs> He plays in the sort of Queensland Cup sort of tier, so the one tier below the NRL. Yeah. <laughs> play on the wings in their back line. I know they've had a winger who sort of had similar levels of competition and scored Greece's points at the World Cup as well. Mm. So they've got like, they're littered with some really experienced players. And it's not just that, they've got their players who are from Greece and playing the Greek game. They've been to a World Cup. They've seen how good rugby can get. They played England. Yeah which is third, third or fourth best team, depending on who you ask. But um, like they've seen the elites of rugby. Yeah. They really have been to the top, and that's they've been where we're trying to get to go. Like I'm not going to stand here and lie to you. Like, I want to qualify for the 2030 World Cup. That's, uh, that's what all the planning is. That's what everything's going for. They've been there. So they're like they're almost like our blueprint. They're, they're who we're trying to aspire to be. So this is just getting mm. our shot. Sort of the Goliath for us. Mm. Awesome. Come on, you you just talking about it. it's getting me excited to watch the game. Jeez. Oh, mate, <laughs> it's gonna be great. And you know what? Getting Greece to come to Norway in November is is genius. Honestly, <laughs> especially getting them to come to the West Coast in November is genius. They oh, we, we did absolutely have absolutely hate. <laughs> we hope we're hoping for rain and snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have some assistance because in our group it was supposed to be for the World Cup qualifiers before France pulled out of hosting the World Cup. Don't get right. me start that, but um, yeah. they, this would have been our group. So Ukraine stuck with the Greece game to avoid the cost of the extra travel. Yeah, and Greece stuck with the our fixture coming here. Yeah. So it was sort of like that agreement made. So yeah, we're happy for a home game. It's been five years since Norway actually had a rugby wow, game. Oh, really? Yeah, it's been that long. So um, it'd be nice to get to show some fans. Hopefully, you turn up. Like what the sport's all about. Oh, nice, mate. Awesome. And yeah, I mean, I'm 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 gutted. I'm not coming. I really I was really wanting to come and uh, represent the pod and come and see the boys. But um, for anyone else who who wants to who wants to get down who's in the area or who isn't in the area get get over there at Osterhus Arena on Saturday 4:30s kickoff obviously like Liam said there's the uh there's the youth tournament beforehand so just go down support the boys support rugby in Norway and uh yeah let's let's hope we can get the W over over the team that knocked us out of the World Cup race for those of us who aren't there where can we watch this so the, the streaming is going to be part of, if you follow our social media, so get following Rugby League Norga on Facebook, Instagram, all the streaming links are going to be put out there. So right, we're gonna, awesome. We're going to flood the social media channels. You'll be able to see the link. If you follow those, just click on that. 4.30 is the kickoff. Um, if you get on there, obviously a few minutes before, we're going to have some great commentators on there. So you get a little bit of comment commentary along with that as well. So that should be um, a look forward yeah, to got- 
Bat- We've got Stav- Stavanger's own Nathan Cummins, who did the commentary for the Union final last week, and uh, he's oh, actually my best. Out. He's actually he's actually my best mate. He's uh, yeah, he's he's um, he's played rugby league for Norway before as well, obviously. Yeah. So uh, he's 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 got, it's going to be quite funny. So if you can't actually get to the game, then listen up because uh, Nathan, I'm sure, will have some interesting chat. <laughs> Did I'd like to hear Nathan you. say those Greek names as well. That'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So no, but Liam, it's been it's been it's been great having you on, mate. Um, like like I said, like going back to what we were just talking about, like hopefully we can get you and Richie talking again. Um, but keep on doing what you're doing, mate. I think it's uh, you've got me excited about this weekend, and uh, it's really interesting to to hear what you've you've had to say, mate, and what you're doing in the background. I had no idea, and hopefully that kind of inspires some people who are listening as well to to get involved and put their hands up. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time, the platform. Like, as you can tell, I'm a talker. Like, I, I could have talked for another two hours about rugby. So, um, <laughs> never an issue. Anytime you need me, I'm always ha- happy to start a chat rugby. And yeah, we're looking forward to this weekend. Awesome. No, mate, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get you on again. That was that was brilliant. We've got a lot more to talk about. But um, yeah, from, from us here, thank you so much for coming on. We know you've got a busy week this week and you've been doing all those teacher parent things and you've been going through hours and hours and hours of, of Greece rugby league footage so uh <laughs> yeah we appreciate you taking the time out to come and speak to us and we will be there cheering the boys on this weekend appreciate it thanks for having us cheers mate Legend. go Legend. well this weekend mate go well cheers all cheers bye